Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Game four, the Battle of Alberta, the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. The Oilers lead the series two games to one. We want to tell you that uh, we've still got this day in Oilers history coming. We just had George LaRock on the show. He is our Oilers Now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. The Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Trent Brown, a multiple-time CFL All-Star with the then-named Edmonton Eskimos, winning the Grey Cup in 1993. Arguably the best football player the U of A has produced. James H. Brown, they're the best. As we bring aboard... Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. Hello, Reed. How you doing? Well, Bob, I think that this is a very interesting hour of radio that you and Brendan Escott have put together. I don't know if you were going for the, you wanted to have the most likely person to win a fight followed by the least likely person to win a fight. Apparently, that's the theme. I, I can't figure what else you were going for. Uh, how many fights were you in growing up as a kid? Now, your father was the principal at the school, so did they kind of just leave you alone? Or was that the deal, or what happened there? Uh, I can assure you I was not uh, left alone. I might have been in a couple scuffles, but pretty limited, Bob. I didn't go looking for that type of stuff. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, did you ever tie one? Oh, uh, I did better than Taiwan, Bob. We'll just leave it at that. It was oh. a long time ago, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure relevant to the. Well, you know, when you're in grade eight life. and the other kids in grade three, you might have a chance. You know what I'm saying, Reed? But uh, anyhow, hey, just having fun with you. Uh, yes, George. Uh, I was I was interested to see that George was offering to come out of retirement. Uh, I do remember George chasing Milan around when Milan was a. I, I got to tell you. Uh, the Oilers are ill-equipped to... The, the Flames, I think, have got the toughest... Hey, Edmonton's up 2-1 in the series right now, and Calgary's trying to figure out a way to stop Connor McDavid. And if you're the Oilers, you want Lucic's line on the ice because, you know, Lewis and Lucic have had some tough minutes. But give me your assessment, Reid, on what we've seen so far overall in the series. Well, first of all, I'll touch briefly on the, the Lucic play because Luch spoke yesterday and said if I tried to charge him, we would both be out of the league uh and i heard uh george very good segment you just had with him i don't think luch was trying to injure mike smith he certainly did let up he didn't plow through him with his body or with his shoulders or with an elbow or or with the stick up high but he shoved him and he knew he might knock mike smith down and he knew if he did that that was going to set off a melee i mean he knew what the score was he knew how the game had gone he was trying to 
do something a little uh, underhanded and aggressive and, and just see what happens. And, you know, I think the Oilers responded the best they could. I had, Rob and I had a caller the other day who said, you know, someone should have imprinted Luch's face into the ice. Who's going to Well, I think that? Archibald was trying to do that, but I, I don't know, you know, it's Archibald versus Luch, if that's going to happen. I, I, I thought the Oilers responded in the moment and then they kind of let it go. I, I, I think you, there, there's no need in my mind, for the Oilers to worry about Milan Lucic. Like, if you can get a hit on him, well, sure. I mean, play physical, try to get the puck on him, off him, keep him from going to the front of the net. But I, I don't think the Oilers need to get into a game where they're thinking, well, we got to target Milan Lucic and, and you know, get revenge and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the best revenge is winning the series and is winning the Battle of Alberta and having the, the bragging rights for however long it is until these two teams might play again. You know, I, th- I think the series as a whole, and I, I know you were just talking about it with George as well, and it's big, a big, big theme is that the Oilers' top guys, not just McDavid, though he's leading the way, have taken over and they've outperformed Calgary's top players, whether they're on the ice head to head or whether it's other matchups. Um, yeah, I, Kachuk got a hat trick in game one. Uh, I think he's been okay. Um, to me, Lindholm has been surprisingly quiet because I've always considered him to kind of truly be the engine that drives the flames, even if he doesn't always get the most points. Uh, and Goudreau's had some chances, but but not a ton. I, I listened to Daryl Sutter's availability, Bob, yeah. today, and it was interesting what he said because, you know, and I know he's kind of does everything in that monotone and doesn't give a, a lot of long answers, and he's... Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't feel like answering a question, he he won't or he'll just take it wherever he wants. But at one point today, he was asked about the top guys and he goes, well, if you're I'll paraphrase here, he said, if you're talking about Lindy's line, they were they were a good regular season line. Now, he does it in his Sutter way where he, you know, doesn't just kind of mumbling and goes on to the next point. But I thought that was significant that to me, he made a point of saying that because like that's. That's a pretty critical remark, I think, from your head coach to say, well, you've been a good regular season line when everybody talks about elevating in the playoffs and elevating to play in the Battle of Alberta and, and rising to the occasion to face McDavid and Dreisaitl and the Oilers' big guys. So, I mean, but the, the last eight periods, that's, I mean, what's the score of the last eight periods? 8-2, eight, 8-1, eight, something like that? The Oilers have scored eight of the last nine goals. So, to me, that's the story. How do the how do the Flames respond now? We've seen the Oilers respond after bad games, not just against Calgary, but also against Los Angeles. What do the Flames do now? How do they come out tonight? And and specifically, how do their top, um, you know, four or five players, if you want to in- include a couple of their other, you know, forwards that can go out there, you know, Coleman, Mangiapane, Backlund, I guess, the Toffoli, who was brought in for playoff experience. How how do they come out? And respond tonight. That's that's the story. If they don't, if they don't, it's going to be three-one Oilers. If uh, if they do, we're probably in for a really tight game tonight. Flames have never come back from uh, being down three-one in a series. They're zero for nine. Now they're completely capable of this year's team. Reed, you know, I have some time for some numbers, and I think there's some numbers that tell you the story. And we were talking about the potential candidates for the Hart Trophy in an abnormally low shooting percentage year, five on five for Connor McDavid. And the fact that McDavid played less than 25% of his five-on-five time this year for Leon Dreisettle. Okay? The guys in Calgary shot the lights out. And herein lies the rub. And so here we go. Kachuk, uh, Goodrow, and Lindholm basically played 88% of their five-on-five time together this year. When Goodrow was on the ice, 
the Flames shot the puck at 13.17% five on five. That's high. Kachuk was at 12.48, and Lindholm was at 12.33. Okay? Anything over 11% is pretty good. Like at Matthews was at 11.6 this year. Uh, so Goodrow was at 13.17. Shot the lights out. 12.48 for Kachuk, 12.33 for Lindholm. In the playoffs, and remember, Calgary didn't score a lot against Dallas, and they fired a lot of shots on the net. Goodrow, 7.27%, almost half of the shooting percentage. So when the Flames are on the ice, they shoot the puck at 7.27% when Goodrow's out there. When Kachuk's out there in the playoffs, 7.84%. When Lindholm's out there, the Flames shoot it at 7.17%. Oh, and then there's Edmonton. Last couple of years, they had the MVPs in the league, and they shot the puck read at 11% when Drysaddle was on the ice and 11% when McDavid was on the ice last year in the years that they won the MVP. This season, McDavid, abnormally low 8.3% shooting percentage for the Oilers when Connor was on the ice 5-on-5. Five five. Kane came into town. He was at 9.6. Like, the, the team shot it at 9.63 when he was out there 5 5 and when Drysaddle was on the ice, 9.61, but still not at 11 Ah, but the playoffs. It's in the regular season. In the playoffs, the Oilers are shooting the puck at 16.15% when Connor's on the ice. 13.16% uh, when Kane's on the ice. And when Leon's out there, Edmonton's shooting the puck 5-on-5 five five in the playoffs at 17.12%. You know what? If you listen to the show, read, and you and me talked about this in the pregame... We mentioned there was a possibility that the shooting percentages for Calgary's top line would drop from the regular season. Now, I don't know if we saw the Oilers going supersonic, gin and tonic, but putting McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Kane together has driven some numbers big time for Edmonton. Your thoughts on that line being put together by Jay Woodcroft, something that happened only once all season in Columbus, end of the second period, early third, in a road game before they went to Pittsburgh, and then going back to that for game two against Calgary. What do you think? Okay. Well, interesting numbers. Uh, I think my first thought, Bob, would be I, I hope in three days we're not talking about those dropping off a little bit because yep. sometimes they, they do come back closer to the average. I mean, players like that are always going to be above average. But, uh, you know, is is there a game or two coming up here or hopefully in the next round? Uh, that uh, we might be talking about maybe those numbers dropping a little bit. So I, I worry about that a little bit. But I I think that we, we've seen putting those – like there's so much to talk about there. I mean, first of all, even having McDavid and Drysaddle on the same line, as much as they have been, uh, would they be playing together that often if Drysaddle were 100%? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he'd be on his own line a little bit more. But – they're, they're just so good together. And then they have a Vander Kane to finish chances. And, you know, we see all the stuff about, well, Drysaddle wouldn't be this good without McDavid. McDavid wouldn't have this many points without Drysaddle. Yeah, but they have each other and they do have good chemistry. And speaking of Lucic, he also commented yesterday that sometimes top players on a team don't play that well together as as well as McDavid and Dreisaitl do. And since he was a teammate of both of them a few years ago, I thought that was a pretty relevant remark from him. But now that they have Kane, 
they they have a, a legitimate finisher and they all benefit from each other. Yes, Kane is getting setups that maybe other centers uh, wouldn't be able to give him consistently, but now they have uh, how now they have a finisher. And so much of the talk the last two years was, well, they need a winger for uh, McDavid so he and Drysdale don't have to play together. I guess it's somewhat ironic that they are playing together. And they also have a winger uh, for McDavid to finish those chances. But I think that I think that if you talk about pairs, McDavid and Kane are going to be a pair. I, I'm sure at some point Drysaitel is going to play on his own line, and you know we've seen him have success with Yamamoto, and he seems to like playing with Yamamoto and and with Hyman too. So, but it's just an indication of of how much Kane's addition has meant to the team, how much Hyman's. Uh, addition has meant to the team and then you just factor in that McDavid has elevated I think we 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 probably should be talking more about Drysdale elevating more for that matter especially since he's playing through an injury and the determination that he's playing with there you go all right Reed what are we going to see tonight besides absolutely jacked up fans here at Rogers Place well, first of all, I, I'm glad you mentioned the fans. And I can't remember if I was on it was when you were on with me last night or Mooner was on with me. But it's pretty amazing being in that atmosphere. We, when, you know, we watch sports on TV and we see some of the NFL stadiums that are known for being loud. You know, Seattle and Kansas City and some of the college football stadiums that are known for being loud. And, and uh, you know, Duke has the Cameron crazies in college basketball. Well, we're living that in Rogers Place. I, I mean, I was sitting there that was the other night, and the and they're playing the pregame video, and then the Oilers skate out, and I'm thinking other fan bases in other sports are looking at Edmonton and saying, "Look at these Oilers fans. That's that's incredible. That that's top tier noise and enthusiasm and passion and commitment for the team." Mike Smith coming back out of the tunnel. That roar was as big as when goals are scored. So full credit to to the people attending the games at Rogers Place. And I, and I know even people watching, wherever they're watching, I'm sure are being loud and enthusiastic. I, I think for tonight, pretty simple. I, I've, first five minutes, I think we're going to see a, a much more determined effort from the Flames. Uh, I, I, I mean, they clearly got on the back heel the other game. As much as we talk about the Oilers making great plays, and they did, you know, I went back and watched uh, the goals from, from game three, and, you know, there were plays made by the Flames that should have been better. There were checks that should have been more thorough, back checks that could have been, uh, had a little more hustle and a little more attention to detail. Um, so I'm sure that's going to be a big focus for them tonight. I, I expect uh, I expect a very tense game tonight. This this actually might be the one game where we're talking about it being one one or two two with ten minutes left in the third period, and then it comes down to who makes a play. Great stuff, Reed. Thanks for your time. What time does the faceoff show begin at? Five thirty, and Dwayne Rollison is scheduled to join me tonight. Very much like Mike Smith, a guy, very capable goaltender in his 40s and a guy that uh, is an alley cat. He fights. Great guy. All right, Reed, I'll see you at 6.05. See you. That is Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. We'll wrap up our extended version of Oilers now on a playoff game day when we return with this day in Oilers history, and it was a big one back in 1990. Connor McDavid, 23 points in 10 games. He's got nine points in this three-game series so far. And he's not even the Oilers' leading scorer. Leon Dreisaitl is 10 in the three games against the Flames. It is uh, 2.53 in Edmonton. Puck drop in about five and a half hours' time.
Let's go to this day and order's history for New West Travel. This October, travel on a private WestJet charter flight to Cabot Links in Nova Scotia for five days and golf at the number 10 golf course in the world. Details at newwesttravel.com. I can tell you that uh, on this date, 32 years ago, I was in Wells, B.C. Here's Brendan Escott. Yeah, a pretty significant day. The last time the Oilers walked away with the Stanley Cup, a 4-1 final at the Boston Garden. Glenn Anderson opened the scoring just a minute and 15 seconds into the second period. Craig Simpson followed that up about eight minutes later with the ultimate uh, game winner. Again, uh, yeah, haven't been back to the big dance since. Billy Ranford with 29 of 30 saves in net. So there you go. Yeah, uh, Oilers outscored Boston 20-8. to in uh, the five-game series, the Oilers went 15-3 and in their final 18 playoff games. Remember, they fell behind Winnipeg 3-1 to open the playoffs that year. Bill Ranford won the Conn Smythe Trophy. Messier, Anderson, and Simpson lit, the flame, uh, lit up the Boston Bruins in games four and five. Just crushed them. It was actually Mark Lamb, Curry, and Tickenen that got them earlier in the series, especially in game two when Yari Curry, uh, I think, had a five-point performance and the Oilers put up seven on uh, the Bruins. Of course, Peter Klima scored in triple overtime in game number one, but people forget 20-8, to eight, the Oilers outscored uh, the Bruins. The Oilers, of course, uh, winning the Cup in 1990, getting back to the final in 2006. Another one of my favorite teams of all time, just how great they played, and they you know, pulled off the upset of Detroit, probably upset San Jose, and let's face it, Dwayne Rolson will be on inside sports night or on a... Uh, the face-off show with Reed Wilkins. If he doesn't get hurt, Edmonton probably wins the Stanley Cup in uh, 2006. Again, speaking of New West Travel, for you golfers looking for a bucket list experience, join New West Travel in Cabot, Nova Scotia. Five-day golf getaway. Golf at Cabot uh, Cliffs and Cabot Links. Package includes airfare via WestJet Charter and open bar premium meals. Four nights accommodation at Cabot Lodge. Five days of golf and stunning Cabot, Nova Scotia, plus a New West golf tournament with prices and prizes. Book now and get a $350 upgrade to premium economy to reserve your tea time. Reach out to New West Travel at newwesttravel.com. Tomorrow, before uh, we make the uh, trip back to Calgary for Game 5, we will have the addition of orders now. One of our guests will be Brian Lawton for Canadian Custom Built Homes from the NHL Network, the former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, David Staples, Cult of Hockey, and John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Again, tonight, we will have uh, the Oilers and the Flames from Rogers Place, the face-off show at 5.30, puck drop at 7.30. Jack Michaels, uh, Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, myself, and Cam Moon. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Jet Afternoons with guest host Chelsea Bird. She is live in Ice District. Back at you at 6.05 on the face-off show. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.